Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Modern Day Wizards, and I'm joined again by Layla Sun to talk about something which she is an expert on, uh, and that is Lyme disease. So welcome to the show, Layla. Thanks for having me, Kalen. So I, I don't, you know, I haven't had too much personal experience with Lyme, I, at least not as far as I know. Uh, I know I did grow up and a family friend of mine got Lyme disease and I think she was like paralyzed. She had to be in a wheelchair, but she kind of recovered. And my, and my mother, you know, she always had sort of health issues. So I've kind of wondered if maybe there was something similar going on because they both lived in the same area. But anyways, I also had a close friend who got it really bad. And I actually did a podcast with her a long time ago called, um, I don't remember, something about Lyme disease. But anyways, I know that you focus on it and uh, I keep hearing people talking about it. You know, and it, it's kind of, it has a resonant frequency with what's going on today. You know, you know what's going on today. I, I, I know you want to post this maybe on YouTube, so I'll, I won't say what's going on today, but it, it it's kind of a similar situation. And so, yeah, I just want to kind of get uh, like a, a complete download of your thoughts on Lyme disease, what it is, uh, where it come from, and how to, what to do about it. So I guess we'll just start with what is it? What's Lyme disease? Lyme disease is the bacteria that used to come from a tick, but now it can come from insects um, and all sorts of other venues that we don't want to get into. But it's a bacteria that mm-hmm. essentially um, destroys your system, your organ. Wait, are you saying? Are you saying it comes? So you said it comes from basically biting insects. I assume you mean biting insects, and then you you implied something. Are you referring to a a fluid substance which is pressed with high pressure through a narrow metal tube into someone's body? No, I actually no. I'm, no, I don't know that I'm going to go that far. <laughs> okay. So no. what can you can you say what you were referring to there without without saying what you don't want to say? Oh, what what I yeah, it's it's definitely a it's a man made. Um, pathogen designed mm-hmm. specifically to disrupt one's entire physical body, spiritual body, emotional and mental body. I believe that not only is it man-made to, uh, it's a man-made bacteria and pathogen, I also believe that there is a, a psychological um, component too that has been put in it mm. um, to really wear people down psychologically and spiritually, as well as physically. Okay, so if someone maybe isn't feeling very well, and they're wondering, maybe I have Lyme, like what are some key things that they would notice if they had Lyme? Well, one of the first misconceptions, I would say, is that everybody thinks that they're going to get a bullseye rash. And and actually, I think it was Dr. Jernigan actually said that a very small percentage of people actually show up with the bullseye rash. So just because you don't get a bullseye rash doesn't mean that you don't indeed have Lyme. Okay. What was and the then, question? Uh, so just what would be the symptoms then? Like what would what would they notice? You know, the, the symptoms would be um, fever, sweating, severe fatigue, um, migraines, exhaustion, lots of pain and inflammation. It, you know, the bacteria goes to the weakest area of the body. So if it's joints and um, your family has a history of joint issues, then it tends to go to the joints. Um, if you're 
weakest organ, it, it tends to cause heart issues, just pain, inflammation, chronic fatigue. Uh, and we're going way above regular chronic fatigue. This kind of fatigue is debilitating fatigue where you just can't function and it doesn't matter how much you sleep kind of fatigue. Mm -hmm. And so if you take all sorts of herbs and none of them are working, and even if you take mm, some antibiotics here and there that that don't work, you could still probably have Lyme. So Dr. Klinghart will say that he has found that every single autoimmune and chronic degenerative disease has underpinnings of Lyme disease. Hmm. Interesting. I also heard Dave Asprey say... Uh, that in every single situation where he saw Lyme, that it was also kind of coincided with toxic mold, like Absolutely. mold mold in the environment. Yeah. And, you know, when I got diagnosed with um, Lyme, which was probably 10 years ago, after probably having it most of my life, uh, they hadn't made that connection yet. So the whole mycotoxin illness connection to mold is just now in the last three to five years really um, – coming into the forefront. And as I look back, I, you know, we had rebuilt a basement and I remember distinctly smelling mold down there as a child growing up. I also think there's a, a huge component tying into uh, cavitations or which is um, infection in the bone that comes from pulling out the wisdom teeth without taking out the ligament as well. And what happens is when, when you, when you don't have that taken care of properly, when you extract the tooth, it acts like a wick for bacteria, and the bacteria actually goes into the jawbone and causes an invisible infection. And I think there's a lot of undiagnosed dental issues that go hand in hand with Lyme, as well as mold. And those two are definitely precursors that absolutely shut down the immune system and keep it from functioning fully, allowing the pathogen to really take hold. That pathogen is really very quite parasitic and loves to take host into anyone whose body is weakened enough not only physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. So it, it sounds like, and this is kind of a similar thing that we're seeing with, uh, in the, like the virus situation, you know, just people, mm -hmm. these things can do horrible things to your body, mm -hmm. but that they're only able to do horrible things in their body if they're able to identify and take advantage of a weakness you know, and then, you know, it might even chain from there. Like you might have a, a infection in your jaw, which it goes on and that weakens you overall. And that makes several other points of your body, like your, you know, maybe your knee or, or whatever. And it, it can, seems like it can just kind of take, get, get a foothold and then keep taking steps to keep knocking you down. But if you're able to maintain a certain level of health, then you wouldn't even have to worry about that. Is that, is this right? Yes, absolutely. So all disease, from what I've been taught, comes down to, on the physical level, um, staying on top of any sort of virus, bacteria, yeast, fungus, mold, parasites, and heavy metals. So, you know, and those are all really invisible things. If, if you have a heavy metal issue um, or if you have a, a, a viral issue, almost everybody with um, Lyme has got Epstein-Barr virus which doesn't really manifest or show it lies latent or is just a low grade virus for years and years and years. So these things are all very tricky. What I'm trying to say is a lot of people can present as being healthy from the outside, but we don't really know what's going on until they get hit with a virus or Lyme bacteria. Um, hmm. So if, if it, 
if it comes down to just in order to at least avoid it, not really making, not becoming susceptible, because it sounds like we really have a lot of these various diseases in quotes, you know, in our bodies already. Like I would bet probably most people have, you know, Lyme disease because, you know, it's, it's also, I, I understand it's also contagious through like sexual relationships and, and stuff yeah. like that. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like, we just, we have these things and, you know, if we stay healthy, then they will not be able to get a foothold. So it seems like there's, you know, kind of a, a general grouping of things to do to focus on maintaining your health. Is that, does that mean that, that, that pretty much fixing Lyme disease, once you've gotten it and it's having a negative um, impact on you, that healing it is pretty much just getting healthy again, or does it have specific things that you need to do? <laughs> that was a, the- there's probably a lot of questions in there that I could run with and I'm not <laughs> sure exactly where to start. I, I think overall to be healthy, a lot of people just think it's working out and eating right, which is very broad for, for a lot of people. I think our society as a whole is already very unhealthy and that you have to be a very savvy individual to understand how to test for viruses or bacteria or how to check on your heavy metal load or how to check on your parasitic load. Um, and when you have gone through Lyme disease and you've healed it, you've, you've had to learn how to do all of those things. If you stay in the system and you only go allopathic, you'll, you'll never get to the bottom of that and you'll never, you'll never heal. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, Lyme is a complex insidious disease. The longer you have it, the harder it is to heal. What it does is it really compromises your methylation um, pathways. Your ability to detox just isn't there the longer you have it and the longer you have it, you know, the more of a toxic overload you have from endo and exotoxins from, from pathogens and from heavy metals and from parasites. So the more blocked up you are, even when you go to take an antibiotic or an antibacterial herbal treatment, um, it can be hard on the system because it it dumps even more in. And I'm sorry. I, I, so it, it does sound like, you know, you may, there is an advantage. Basically, I think my question is, is there an advantage to knowing that you have Lyme so that you can do things a little differently or should you just focus on health? And it sounds like you're saying, well, knowing that you have Lyme, you know, will impact whether you need to take antibiotics and also recognizing that if you do take antibiotics, that the die off of all these Lyme bacteria and also all the other things that are dying as a result of you taking antibiotics may be something that you need to keep an eye on. You have to know that you have Lyme or else you just you just don't know what you're dealing with and what you're working with. Okay. Like I said, Lyme is dental infection, mold exposure, long-term viruses, not only Epstein-Var but several others, um, and, and heavy metal toxicity. So if you don't know those pieces, which, uh, you know, a Lyme literate doctor will, if you go to a regular GP, they're not going to have a clue as to how to even begin to work on those different levels. And you're just going to be spinning your wheels. And mm-hmm. even with Lyme literate doctors, you know, there's varying degrees of competence within within those physicians as well and how much they can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, a common story I hear is people jumping between doctors. Yeah. And that's the part of that's that's the beginning part of the journey. Mm. It's it's complex and it takes time. And each practitioner is a piece to the puzzle of your personal puzzle. Um, mm. 
and getting to the bottom of it. And it is an arduous, hella journey, let me tell you. What was, so what was your experience? Like, how long did you have Lyme disease? How long were you sick before you realized you had Lyme disease? All that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, I was sick in probably junior high school. I remember just probably a sugar addiction started in junior high school or even maybe younger than that um, because I was exhausted all the time. And, you know, if you present with exhaustion to a physician, the first thing they do is check your iron levels. If you present exhaustion to your functional medicine doctor, the first thing they check is your adrenal and thyroid, which is great. But it's if you have Lyme disease, it's all of that. And then bacteria, virus, mycotoxin, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, you see where I'm going? Mm-hmm. So when did you realize that you had Lyme disease? Let's see. I had it probably since I was. I want to say nine or 10 and didn't finally get a diagnosis until I was in my mid forties. Wow. And how bad did it get? It was pretty bad. I was non-functional. I mean, there are days I just couldn't get out of bed. I went through two pregnancies with Lyme, which was sheer hell because, you know, being pregnant is, can be already exhausting for some people. I, I could just, it was all I could do to get through each hour of each pregnancy. Mm. Um, so I went through many practitioners, naturopaths, holistic practitioners, physicians, massage therapists. Um, and it wasn't until I f- found someone who really specialized in applied kinesiology or muscle testing. And um, I recently heard that her nickname is the Lyme Assassin. She was incredible. The first day I got on the table, she muscle tested me and... I said, please, I just don't want any antibiotics. It's the only thing that I don't want. And she muscle tested every kit that she had for everything. And she said, I'm sorry, there are no herbs that are going to touch what's going on with you. And um, I said, go ahead, pull the, you know, go ahead and test the antibiotic kit. And she said, oh, my gosh, I found one thing here that your body's absolutely wanting very much. And, um I said, what is that? And she said, Zithromax. And tears just started streaming down my face because raising kids, um, every once in a while, I would get upper respiratory things, and the doctor would put me on Zithromax. And I didn't like to go on it, but sometimes it would get so bad I had to. And I remember being on Zithromax, and within 24 hours, I had normal energy. I just remember never wanting to get off of it because I felt normal for the first time in my life. So... Um, the tears came because I, I trusted her at that point because I had already mm-hmm. known on some level I wasn't consciously aware of why I was responding to it. Um, and then I I was on Zithromax for five to six months every day before we really got a hold of the, the bacteria. And then it still took another two, two and a half years of unraveling Oh my gosh, the myriad of viruses and different bacteria and parasites and detox that needed to happen. So it's quite the journey. Mm. So you're, I don't know if you still call yourself a Lyme coach. Have you changed that, that title or are you still using it? I still, I still call myself a transformational Lyme disease coach. Okay. So if someone is working with you and they have Lyme disease, like you, you found your, at least first step to like a big, a big move towards progress with that, with the antibiotic. Like how, how, 
what is the process when you're working with a new client to identify what that thing is for them or or do you have a different focus or what happens there? Yeah, I have a different focus. So initially I would muscle test clients using test kits from Dr. Klinghart and using some of his protocols. And what I personally, what, what I started to witness happening was clients weren't following through with their protocols. So they weren't getting results. So I started taking a sit back and let's see approach. And I started just listening to what was going on with clients. And I realized what they really wanted to talk about was the trauma and anxiety in their life and their, their relationships with their family and, and well, mainly the family. Mm-hmm. And what I started to see was that once I started doing therapy with them around unraveling their trauma growing up and started working on communication skills and being able to express themselves and set healthy boundaries, once they felt safe mentally and emotionally and how to navigate a world with very unsafe family members, then they were more committed to following through with a physical protocol. Hmm. So at this point, I, I don't work with people at the beginning stages of their Lyme disease on the physical level. I work with people who are three quarters of the way there who uh, already have a handle on a lot of what it means to heal from Lyme disease. They've, they've done all the running around from one doctor to the other, and they've, they've found an alternative practitioner that's getting them pretty far along, you know, most of the people come to me at this point are 70% there and they come to me for healing the mental, emotional, the unraveling, the familial and ancestral trauma that goes with uh, the wounding that allows this disease to come in on that level. So Mm. a lot of it at that point, again, is uh, communication skills, grounding and empowerment uh, modalities and techniques. So it seems like... So in other words, you know, I see... Lyme disease is it's a perverse way of people hiding out when they feel too wounded and don't know how to function in the world. It's it's a cocoon. And so once I empower them with the tools to know to understand themselves better and they feel safer in the world, then they're more inclined to come out of their cocoon. It's also a disease. It's a spiritual initiation. It's a disease of sovereignty. I can tell Lyme clients exactly what they need to do to heal. But my biggest challenge with almost every single one of them is helping them to stop giving their power away externally to a paradigm that no longer works for them. And, and that's the biggest challenge that I have with everyone that I work with. Mm. So they would rather listen to what the doctor says regarding a protocol versus what their body is actually telling them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm wondering how you would get someone to like overcome that tendency. Yeah, that's probably my specialty and my forte. Um, I enjoy that piece and it's very tedious and it's, it's a lot of holding space and planting seeds and pushing them along ever so gently um, for them to come to that own conclusion in their own terms, in their own time, I have to really respect their journey mm-hmm. and where they're at. Um, some people come to it quicker than others. I just had someone recently um, who took a very long time to realize this. I'm not sure that she actually has. And, you know, parents were both uh, physicians and she is also a physician and letting go of, giving your power away 
to the authority figures all around you is a huge paradigm shift and it causes a huge uh, spiritual awakening. And it's, it's, it's a tremendously healing journey if one can view it from that perspective. So it's just, uh, I'm going to do a big summarize here. So basically it's a virus, uh, sorry, it's a bacteria which we suspect was not natural. And it basically has very little effect unless someone has other health issues going on, like environmental type situations or stuff like that. But once, once it gets in there and it starts causing serious problems, that someone starts going downhill and maybe this starts to make their personal life maybe not run as smoothly. And then that gets to a point where that's even too emotional and their only way of coping with that is this excuse of you know i'm too sick you know you know i can't deal with this leave me alone you know, i'm going to stay in my room and be in my bed and you know in order to heal themselves they have to actually want to heal themselves and that means they have to no longer need the crutch of being a sick person and that's what you help people with kind of overcoming yeah, they are legit sick. I mean, they are sick as a dog. And it's not for lack of trying. It's not for lack of going from one doctor to the other to the other. It's literally they're not getting answers sometimes even from the Lyme doctors they go to. There is no one-size-fits-all treatment protocol for this disease, which people really have to understand. And it's very insidious. Mm -hmm. But you, you mentioned that basically even when someone does have a good protocol, which would likely help them, that they don't actually... Yeah, follow through with because it's almost like they they want to keep the crutch of being a sick person yeah what happens is you know the the line triggers and plays on one's <clears throat> on woundedness growing up and um, manifests into you know they become victims they feel pretty victimized most of their life as a child growing up and then this disease comes in and feeds even more of that feeling like a victim and what happens then literally is there's just ner their, their nervous system, their nerve pathways become habituated to identifying with, with their disease. And they literally don't know who they are without their disease. And, and I could say that I experienced that absolutely. Mm. I didn't know who I was without that disease. Um, and one of the frustrating parts was <clears throat> I spent years trying to educate myself and friends and family around me what Lyme disease was like and trying to help them understand and make it feel like it was even legit because I looked okay. I could semi-function so people could never understand how I could be so ill. That's another huge frustration for people with Lyme. Mm -hmm. And I forget where I was going with that. Um, well, it's really the identifying with disease. And then when I started to tell people I was getting better, they could only see me as someone with Lyme disease. So <laughs> there was this whole yeah having to step out of this identification with Lyme by friends and family around me. And it's, it's just really a nasty, complex, very frustrating process to have to go through. Do you think it's something that can be completely re recovered from? I, I do believe that. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of people don't. There's a lot of people who say you can never recover from Lyme disease. Absolutely. You can. Mm. So, I'm a little, I guess I, I'm just going to go into the part where, you know, you may not be able to put this on YouTube. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that, I mean, this seems like a pretty, it's a pretty powerful microbe. 
Yep. And it seems to have very specific modes of acting. Absolutely. And yet at the same time, you say that it is, you believe it to be man-made, intentionally man-made. And I want to hear more about that and more specifically, like, what do you think is the motive? What is the goal of generating things like this and other similar things? Well, the goal is always, I mean, I didn't want to believe it, but it's absolutely depopulation and enslavement. Um, It's a lot easier to enslave a population when they're sick. They don't feel good. They don't know what's happening to them. And, you know, I didn't start out believing any of this. I mean, it was just, I was on my own. I was living in a small mountain town. There were no Lyme practitioners near me. So whenever I had the energy, I was online all the time researching and I started stumbling across uh, different pieces of information that were alluding to these things. And Mm -hmm. frankly, they were the only things that were starting to make sense. And I just followed the breadcrumbs and, started connecting the dots. And um, I think it's pretty common knowledge amongst the Lyme community that this is what's going on uh, to varying degrees to anyone who's come out the other side. I don't think you can come out the other side of this disease and really heal and not have gone down that particular rabbit hole. Mm. Man, it's kind of, it's kind of discouraging, you know, to know there's people out there who are doing these types of stuff and they've been doing it for a long time, but uh, on the other hand, I mean, you talked about earlier, if someone maintains their health, you know, you can be basically invulnerable to these types of things. So, Well, not only your health. I mean, if you come out the other side, you're sovereign. Mm. You no longer give your power away to everything outside of you. You go inside of yourself mm-hmm. for information. I mean, this is just a, a beautiful spiritual initiation and opportunity to connect with source to connect with your higher self to connect with your Christ itself and understand what's, what's really going on. This is liberation. Mm. It's, it's a gift. Yeah. It's like you had to go to the deepest, deepest depths, depths of like this hell state, you know, it's just like, I can't do anything. Everything I do is miserable. And it's like, there's nothing that's going to get you out of there except, you know, you, taking a hold of your power and doing everything you can, despite feeling horrible to solve the problem. And when I could see how, you know, if coming out of that, after making that commitment and really committing to that, I could see how you would feel, you know, it would be, it's, it's like an initiation. It's an empowerment. It's, it's an incredibly dark night of the soul that for many feels like it just never ends because there's so many levels to it. I mean, you get on top of one level and then there's another level. I, I think what I've been wanting to share too is most of my clients, I would say, are between their 40 and 60s. And the conclusion I've come into after years of working with them is that all of, you know, they'll I'll always ask, when were you diagnosed? How long do you think you've had it? And I would say the average is between three to five years. But as I track their history and we look back on, um, their intake, I would say they probably have had it at a, from a very young age and probably came in with actually a fairly healthy constitution and it didn't really manifest until uh, the, the toxins accumulated and or more than ever, I think I see it probably um, either chronic stress or a, a very traumatic emotional issue um, is the driver behind it finally expressing itself. 
mm-hmm. or the soul essence of the person just can't go on living like they're living. So this disease will express itself mm-hmm. as a, as a way for them to really step into and do some shadow work like they've never done before. Um, so they can get to the bottom of it. Mm. You can't get through this disease and really heal without doing your shadow work. It just, uh, it really doesn't work like that. Mm. And then, you know, it's, there is no one size fits all. And, and there's all often the comparison made to cancer, you know, cancer, you do chemo or this or that, or even do alternative. And at least there's alternative protocols. There are alternative protocols for Lyme, but cancer is more legitimized in the allopathic world and it's easier mm-hmm. to explain and people have a better understanding of it or so they think mm-hmm. or so we've been brainwashed to believe. So it sounds like getting over Lyme is kind of a multi-faceted, multi-step process. But if you're, if someone's right now is listening and they're like, you know, I feel kind of crappy, you know, I did live in a moldy place, you know, I, some of this is resonating with me and they're like, well, where should I, where should I look? Like, do you recommend they go and find someone who uh, is kind of a doctor who specializes in Lyme? And if so, how do they know if it's a good doctor? And uh, at what point should they start be looking into the services you offer and that type of stuff? Yeah. Well, they, you know, they can immediately have the hygienics test taken. Um, but, you know, um, you can also have it. It can be inconclusive. And the longer you've had Lyme, the harder it is to show up on those tests. I'd also make sure you are tested for mold, both of those things at the same time. So you want to interview a variety of different doctors. I just had a client who just went through some of the best in the Bay Area, and she got nowhere with any of them. Um, And she's actually found someone in Boulder who's actually helping her out. Um, So take your time. Interview the doctor, get the hygienics, tell them you want mold testing and hygienics testing, and really interview the physicians. Make sure that there's a rapport there. Make sure they're open to listening to you as well as just doing the the blood work and the testing. Would you say they should start with just going to, like, a normal family doctor type, or should they be looking for – No, they need to be looking for a Lyme literate doctor, ideally a Lyme literate integrative specialist. Okay. All right. And then, so like, what would be some warning signs of a doctor they should move on from? (laughs) If they don't get, you know, I see clients just like people who go to psychotherapists, they use the same psychotherapist for 10 years or even five years. And I just gasp. Um, Same with a physician. If they're not getting results after being on a protocol for two weeks, max, it's Mm -hmm. it's time to either change the protocol or change your physician. When she put, when she used the muscle testing and I went on the Zithromax, my results were immediate. In fact, every time she put me on a protocol for the next two and a half years, except maybe once or twice where I had to tweak the dosage just ever so slightly, I felt great immediately. Hmm. So if you're taking a protocol and you're feeling lousy and, and your physician, even your Lyme literate doctor keeps telling you to push through it and take it anyway, you probably want to reconsider and find somebody else. Okay. And then how will someone know when it's time to focus on the things that you maybe can help them with? Once, you know, they've stabilized physically, their brain fog has been reduced, their inflammation is reduced, and uh, they just start becoming aware of, 
of the trauma in their life. Any good Lyme literate physician is going to understand the, the trauma, the emotional, mental trauma piece. And while they don't specialize in it themselves, they will refer them to someone who, who will. Mm. That's another sign of a good Lyme literate physician. Dr. Klinghart also has a list of um, ART or autonomic response. Yeah, I forget what the T is for, technique. Or he used to have a list of practitioners throughout the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. that you could check out. I don't know that he has that anymore, but I would. Dr. Klinghart's an excellent reference. I would be watching all of his YouTubes and okay. looking for practitioners um, through him. So sometimes that would probably be for me if it were me, and I was wondering then, you know, just kind of binging on informative videos and podcasts and stuff about, about Lyme disease. So, and Dr. Klinghart, how do you spell his last name? It's K-L-I-N-G, and I believe it's H-A-R-D-T or A-R-D. Okay. And he's German. You'll recognize his accent. He's wonderful. He's really pioneered a lot of um, cutting-edge treatments. Okay. And he's the best out there, in my humble opinion. Cool. All right. And when, when people are ready to get in touch with you, what, where do you recommend they go? They can go to LaylaSun.com and I have a um, Lyme Academy for empaths. It's a four month program where we get to the bottom of everything that we just spoke mm-hmm. about here today. And I can help you out there You just sign up for a discovery session. And what I'll do is get on the phone and have a free anywhere from 20 to 30 minute talk about what's going on with you and what you're looking for. And just to see if we're a good fit. Cool. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and chatting with me about Lyme disease. I'm sure it'll be helpful to many people. Thank you, Callan. Thanks for all the work that you do. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye.